UX Podcast Episode 282. I'm James Royal Lawson. And I'm Pat Axpel. And this is UX Podcast, balancing business, technology, people, and society every other Friday for over a decade, and with listeners literally all over the world, from the Isle of Man to Turkey. Turkey. I can't, I've got to practice saying it. Turkey. Is that Turkey? Because they've changed. Yeah, well, they've. they've oh, yeah, they've, they've changed it. Yes. Yeah, well, they're, well, they're asked to change it, which is interesting that you have to ask to change your own name of your country. But they don't want to be yeah. associated with Turkey anymore, the bird. They want mm. to be their own country. So, Turkey. Yeah. Which is actually very more, much more close to what we see in Swedish. Turkey. It is. Yes. And Kalkon is Turkey. So, anyway, enough of the language lessons. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Carolyn Wilson Nash uh, is a lecturer at the University of Stirling, and together with Julie Tinson, who is Professor of Marketing also at Stirling University, have published together a research paper entitled I Am the Master of My Fate, Digital Technology Paradoxes and the Coping Strategies of Older Consumers. So technology and the elderly, so older adults, is a topic that Per and I have been interested in for, for quite a while. Yeah, I suppose partly because we hear people in our branch, anyway, using older people as a, as a gauge of usability. If my mum could use it, then anyone can. Yeah, but also because we I think, actively, include, or actively exclude older people quite regularly from our work. So our app is well, for millennials, for example. Yeah. So Carolyn joins us to talk more about her research and the impact technology has on older people's lives. Technology and the elderly is something that, I mean, I'm going to be, I'm going to be turning 49 in a couple of weeks. Um, and that means I've got parents that are a generation ahead of that. And I know from talking to my peers that it's um, an increasing burden is, is helping your parents, not just with all the kind of other matters of, of aging parents and um, you know, maybe financial aspects, health aspects and so on, but the, the technology aspect of it is something I don't think I personally envisaged, envisaged a while ago that I'd need to deal with as I got older. What is it? I mean, tell me, can you share a little more about technology and the changing um, things to do with it now and the elderly? Well, I think, I think it's really hard because obviously you've got such a range of people within the sort of older adult group. Um, so you've got ranges of people people who have quite a lot of experience with technology, maybe people have worked with technology in the past, um, who are who are aging and um, those people absolutely fine with technology. But then obviously you have some people who might not have experiences of using much technology before, and now it's everywhere, it's, it's around us. You, you have to use things like the internet to contact your doctor, um, especially during COVID. You need to use the internet for internet banking. Um, people communicate via the internet and if you're not on it you kind of almost uh, are feeling left out so having technology is becoming more of a necessity and less of sort of something we really want and and desire Um, and there is sort of a group of people that don't have that experience from using it at work 
um, those group of people getting older and it is it's it as you said sort of you know your parents getting older you need to help them with technology there is that sort of family element to it as well so a lot of sort of um people help their family so I help my mum <laughs> my mum's just got a new computer um and I've helped her install that computer um there's sort of find a lot of grand grandchildren helping their grandparents with their technology as well um but the issues are is it's it's not necessarily easy um I don't think technology has really been designed for you to just sort of turn it on and start using it um, and it's really easy and it's laid out and you know happy days I think there are a lot of barriers to using technology um so for example when I was setting up my mum's computer it wasn't just sort of I turn it on I follow the instructions I set it up she needed a Microsoft account uh, a Google account um, all these passwords and security and I was like I just want her to turn it on because she's mm. not going to remember a password mm. um, and also I set it up in my Microsoft account so every time she logs on it goes hello Carolyn and no. she gets very confused <laughs> um, no. So it, there's just all these barriers. And I think we've gone almost too far on the security side. There's too much security. Why do you need 101 passwords to log in something? Why do you need 101 accounts to be able to use a device? Surely you should have the device and then you should be able to choose what accounts you want to link it with. Um, and I think all of that's all of those barriers and all of those difficulties make it really difficult for someone to start using technology um, and that's the issue is um you know sometimes you you need to start using these devices whether it's a computer or or a mobile phone um or an ipad or a tablet or, or kindle whatever but there are these sort of barriers as to start using that technology and if you don't have someone to help you, so if you don't have um, a loving daughter or son or a grandchild to help you get connected and help you use that technology, it can be quite isolating. It can be extremely daunting. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of the issues with it, I would say. <laughs> I think the whole thing, you, well, the aspect you brought up um, at the beginning of that um, about the fact that, I mean, I said elderly and, and you pointed out um, that not, all elderly are elderly or rather there's not one big clump um young i mean younger elderly people you mentioned about people who were working i i, I don't know if i've reflected about this so much that i mean i'm i said i did say that i was almost 50 but looking back to when we started the podcast 10 years ago i mean that people were like just a bit older than me and Pear are now elderly effectively because they're over 65 um so what kind of spans are we, t I mean, it must vary a huge amount between those people who have work experience and with computers and technology and don't. Well, it's a really contentious term. So like using the term, so the moment someone turns 65, if you turn around and say, oh, now you're elderly, I don't think they'd, they'd like that very much. Um, so it is quite a contentious term. I use like older adults and generally refer to people sort of over 65 as an older adult. Um, but again that that's contentious i mean why do we use 65 as the cutoff why is 65 the retirement age cutoff um it's really difficult to know so i think the best thing to do is not not to sort of say that you know everyone over the age of 65 is the same they're not they're not all the same people or the same group there's different 
um, people, different experiences and different experiences of using technology as well. So the group probably between sort of 65 and early 70s now, majority of that group will have worked with technology mm. um, and probably have quite a good experience of technology. And it might be, you know, things change and um, they need to update their skills or they might need to ask a few people for help with certain things, as we all do. Mm. Um, I mean, <laughs> I work in an institution and we've all been um, asking each other how to download Office 365, <laughs> um, you know, and you have that sort of collaboration with each other. But then there is sort of, I'd say, a, a generation above that that maybe didn't work with technology at work or maybe didn't have as much experience of it um, as sort of the younger older generation um, and it, I think it can be really really difficult because essentially you're trying to learn a new skill that you've never learned before and you might be doing that with not very much help and you might be learning that skill but imagine the goalposts keep moving mm. because things keep changing um, and technology becomes more difficult and there's more barriers put up. Um, I think like a lot of the issue is that these technologies that are out there are traditionally designed or is thought of as being used by the younger consumer. So they're designed with the younger consumer in mind. They're probably tested on the younger consumer. Um, and also and built by younger people mm. exactly yeah, yeah. built by younger people yeah. for younger people mm. and the perception as well power i think about the you know, what you consider to be old when you're younger mm. isn't as old as 65 no i know i remember <laughs> being at school and thinking that my teachers are probably in their mid-20s were really old mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah but i think that's also a respect for people who are older than you as mm. well but yeah younger generation designing uh, for a younger generation without testing on sort of the older generations. And I think it's all about bringing the older adult voice into, you know, into what they want from a technology. Um, how can we design a technology um, so that there aren't these barriers? How can we design a technology so it's useful and fun? I think we always forget the fun side of technology. It's playful, it's enjoyable. Um, older adults, use technology for um, its enjoyment as well as for its function and utility and actually what you find is a lot of the technologies that are designed for older adults tend they tend to be designed for like specific purposes like care needs um, so that sucks the fun out of the technology because it all becomes about sort of the utility and the function um, but really we need to remember that it can be flat fun and playful as well um so yeah it's about getting that voice into the technology development process getting sort of the voice of the older consumer in there it's so interesting because that sounds to me like a huge missed opportunity with populations in a large number of countries just getting older and older so that demographic is actually increasing in size which means that if you are thinking of in a commercial sense, there's a huge opportunity to actually build more fun stuff for that target group. Yeah, absolutely. There's a, like a massive consumer group there. Um, as you say, we are sort of in aging populations. And I mean, there's a lot there that is probably, you know, needed by someone. 
um, but also there might be a lot there that we don't we don't know about because it's a completely understudied group and untapped into market as well. Um, so doing sort of more research into what older people want from a technology, how they use the current technology, how could we make it more usable, uh, easier to use, less of these sort of security barriers. I mean, security is important. People do like that, but I think it's gone too far the other way. <laughs> In your research paper, Carolyn, um, you you touched on well, you've, you've, one of the main findings of it was the um, uh, paradox um, of the the technologically pa technological paradoxes, um, and this was interesting. I mean, you've 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 touched on one which wasn't actually I don't think one of your paradoxes just now with the, the fun and utility, um, but but you did have um, I think it was five or six um, paradoxes. Do you want to share a little bit about those paradoxes and explain what they are? Yeah, yeah. So um, paradox, it all comes from sort of Mick and Fournier paper back in 1998. And they found um, paradoxes of technology, um, which is basically when when you're using a technology, there are these sort of conflicting emotions. So whilst you might feel in control of that technology, um, it can also cause huge amounts of chaos. So that would be one example um, of a paradox. Um, so an example from the, the paper that Julie and I wrote is that I use that control chaos one, but so sort of an older person feeling in control of, of their mobile phone, uh, they know how to use it, they know how to use the functions, but then at the same time that phone started randomly syncing with all the other devices. So loads of files moved from the phone to the pad to the computer and there was absolute chaos and they said, I think there was a quote there that their pocket was bulging with spam and I loved that, I thought it was such a nice quote. Um, but these things, sometimes they just happen and you don't know why. And I think technology has a way of creating those feelings of control, but also that absolute chaos um, when it comes, some, maybe something goes wrong or maybe something happens that you're not totally in control of. Um, and a paradox is obviously when it happens simultaneously and these things happen at the same time and create sort of um, like a, a conflict in yourself. Uh, which can sort of cr maybe create feelings of self-doubt a little bit um, or maybe sort of anxiety or stress. Um, so, I mean, there are quite a few paradoxes that we identified. Other ones are efficiency and inefficiency. So whilst you might find your device really efficient um, with sort of, I looked at uh, four different devices. So it was um, uh, mobile phones or smartphones even, uh, tablets, laptops and e-readers at the time. So whilst your e-reader might be really useful for reading books and it's very efficient because you can download a book and read it, it might also be inefficient for other tasks, for example, like checking emails. Um, so that's an example of where something might be efficient and inefficient at the same time. Um, then another one is assimilation and isolation. So assimilation is obviously that feeling of sort of being together with someone and technology creates that like technology is where you can communicate with someone um, or technology is where you've got the same technology. It can create sort of a group of people bonding together. So um, a great sort of quote in the paper is that there was this woman and she was part of a book group 
um, and within the book group they almost had their scion um, of people who are Kindle users and people who weren't Kindle users. So by being a Kindle user, they had their group of oh, people yeah. and they bonded over using their Kindle. And you have oh. this with like Apple users yes. and Microsoft users, like you have groups of technology users and they bond together. So That's not only so does interesting. the it's really yeah, like they're, they're bonding because mm -hmm. like in a book group, you'd, mm -hmm. you'd expect to bond over the book you're reading because yeah. that's the object whereas yeah. what you're saying there is that the, the kindle itself became the object because it is the object it's the, not the yeah. physical book anymore for that yeah. group it's the it's the device it's fascinating yeah. it is really interesting so not only can devices create assimilation by sort of being a, a form of communication but also bonding over sort of like-minded people using the same device so yeah. it, so that was sort of the assimilation side and then the isolation side was actually quite interesting because you wouldn't expect that from someone who uses technology but it's very much like it's a double-edged sword in that you um if you're part of that kindle group you're obviously isolating yourself from other people so you can become so involved in your technology that you're actually isolating yourself from the outside world mm -hmm. um so i think like another study that i did actually found that the more emotionally connected someone was to their technology, the less they felt a sense of belonging within the world, um, mm. which I think is quite interesting. So I, I think there's a balance there. I think you need technology to feel part of this sort of digital world that we're creating. But there's also if you get too immersed in technology and you see this with teenagers and video games, then you're not outside, you're not talking to people, you're not communicating with people, you've not got that face-to-face -face contact. You're essentially in an eternal COVID-19, which <laughs> nobody wants. Um, so that's how that creates that sort of feeling of isolation as well. Mm -hmm. And then another paradox is this sort of freedom enslavement paradox. Um, so freedom is that technology gives you a lot of freedom um, and a lot of sort of autonomy. So an older person might use it to, um, you know, arrange to meet up with friends. They might use it to do their online shopping. They might use it to do things that they otherwise might not be able to do, which creates that, that sort of freedom from it because there's so many different functions and uses from technology, which is excellent. But there's also this enslavement side where technology, you're dependent on things. So you're dependent on the latest software update or you're dependent on battery power. <laughs> you know, it's as simple as that. And there's a story in, in the paper about uh, two older ladies whose car broke down and they had been given these smartphones probably by their children to use in an emergency, but neither of the smartphones had battery power. Um, <sighs> so they couldn't use them. Uh, and so you are still enslaved um, by this technology or by sort of some of the requirements of the technology. And in that situation, that example, I guess you've, you've created a, um, a false reassurance because they probably, I guess, felt at ease because they had these emergency devices and then when it came to the actual emergency, the, the reassurance became um, stressful, I guess, because you couldn't use it. Exactly. And I mean, it happened to me the other day. I was on a train and um, you now get sort of e-ticket, e-train tickets on your phone. Um, and I had 2% battery left. Oh, and I was like, oh, God, what do I do? So I was like, I put, up, put my phone onto flight mode. I was like, this might get me through the station. <laughs> hmm. 
the the ticket person comes through on the train and I was like look I can show you but please can you print me off a ticket because my phone's going to die by the time I get to the station and I need to get through the barriers mm. and she was like no I'm sorry I can't do that oh so you need it when you get out as well which means that you would be instantly trapped inside mm-hmm. oh wow Oh, ticketless. Yes. You're effectively so, ticketless. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I was freaking out. <laughs> but, you know, we, we have now all this dependency on on technology in our everyday lives. Mm. But, you know, we're still enslaved by having battery. And I'm going to carry a charger with me everywhere I go mm. now. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was another one. And then uh, the fifth paradox is competence and incompetence. So when you use technology and when you use it right, you get this great feeling, like this great sort of sense of achievement. And and you could see sort of, in, it was a diary study that we did. So a six month long diary study of people um, using their specific technologies. And you could see when people had worked out technical difficulties, sort of the great feelings that they had, they were like, it worked. And, you know, exclamations like that. I feel great. Um, But then on the other side of it, you know, when it doesn't work, it creates these feelings of incompetence. And that was coming out quite a lot um, from the data was people sort of almost blaming themselves if they couldn't use technology. Mm -hmm. Um, So there were frustrations. There were people saying, you know, is it me? Is it me doing something wrong? Um, This... um, one participant was saying, you know, I was a CEO um, and now I can't even get this iPhone to work. <laughs> um, and, you know, people were almost sort of doubting themselves and their identity because they, they couldn't use technology. Um, so that was another paradox that that was coming up. Um, and then the final one is attachment and non-attachment. So people were becoming sort of attached to their devices and that they they want them with them all the time keeping them in their you know uh sort of breast pocket um keeping them close to them so needed them for certain tasks um, and then would feel sort of anxiety if if the phone or the device wasn't with them um but then equally there were these feelings of non-attachment and very much like oh good riddance my holiday my laptop can have a holiday and all of this mm-hmm. um so that was the final paradox. Um, yeah, so we identified six from that paper. And when you speak about these, these well, all related really to control and, and chaos paradoxes, it really makes me think about how the elderly actually know about all this stuff and how you were writing about we forget that the elderly or older adults can also teach us about the things that can go wrong. And to not trust technology, because I love this quote uh, that you had in the article from Christopher 83. There's one sure thing, life will come to an end and technology will always go wrong. And there's so much wisdom uh, within these people who we tend to ignore and make fun of in depictions in media. We we, we use them as examples of people who can't use technology, but flip that and realize that there is so much we could learn from them if we actually did involve them in the act of designing and, and making these products. Yeah, absolutely. And that's sort of the other side of, of the paper is we identified these coping strategies um, that 
older adults are using or adopting to overcome the, the paradoxes. So just to say, like these paradoxes, we all feel them with technology. It's not just older adults experiencing these paradoxes. They're all there. But um, we identified one specifically experienced by old adults. So sort of using that voice, understanding more of, of their experiences with technology. Um, and yeah, we identified some really interesting coping strategies that were new. Um, and we don't know if they're just coping strategies used by older adults or coping strategies that might be used by everyone. But one was... Um, that kind of acceptance, uh, as you just mentioned, so that wisdom of, yes, people sort of might not have much experience with technology, but they have a lot of life experience and a lot of wisdom. And I think that gives people this perspective. Um, so you mentioned, you know, that, that quote about technology will always go wrong. Um, so it's almost like, you can take a step back and sort of see everything it's like yeah I've experienced all this in my life all this is is just just a technology just a piece of technology um and that was one of the coping strategies that we identified but you're absolutely right um we can use that wisdom we can use that knowledge to understand more about how older people use technology um and use help use that to help us design uh, technology and devices for older people or that's more usable um, for older people I think I mean maybe one way to look at that as well is that a lot of the design I, I say a lot I mean, I'm thinking now about how we've been 10 years now with mobile and 20 years or so with the internet that um, a lot of the design is based on the previous iteration of the of the technological design so the digital design whereas um, when you think about the uh, young ad or the older adults and the or the elderly brackets that we're, we're we're taking a step back and we're looking now at a, a broader perspective of a time that their life experiences span like if you're if you're a, um an older adult now then you were probably born in the 40s or 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 maybe the 50s or even earlier than that so your your life experience spans a much larger period of time so how how that then can be used. You say wisdom, but it's 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 input into designing that maybe is neglected when you're in that world of iteration within digital that is within the 10 years that we've had now of mobile, 20 years of internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's definitely like an untapped, I don't want to just come from it from the marketing perspective and saying, you know, it's an untapped market. Um, it's more from sort of, the concerned marketer perspective um, and kind of saying, yes, we need to design products um, for older people, but we also need to make sure that, um, you know, it's for the for the good, for the well-being um, of, of sort of older people and people using that technology. Um, so, yeah, I think there's there's so much information there. I mean, it just older people need to be included within within the design process and not just by smaller companies designing sort of assistive technology for older people, but for from the tech giants, you know, from people who are designing this everyday technology that we use, um, this everyday technology that we are now reliant on and more reliant on thanks to COVID as well. Um, uh, you know, it needs to be usable. We need that voice within there when when things are designed, definitely. I'm thinking now about the governments and institutions, especially maybe during COVID, forcing 
us to be more dependent on all these technologies, but not not providing us with the help and assistance to get started with it. Uh, that's left sometimes. I know in Sweden, a lot of people go to libraries and the librarians help out, <laughs> and that's the way it's solved. But if they're the, even open power in your country, because right, they might exactly. be they might be closed and locked down right. because of COVID. So, yeah. <laughs> but there's a responsibility here that isn't that somebody's somebody's not taking responsibility for pushing people into the technology. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's, that's the biggest issue was we, we were all put into lockdown and so many things went online and so many things relied on technology, but we still have this digital divide. So there's still people who cannot afford Wi-Fi. There's still people who cannot afford technology. And there's still people who haven't had um, the technical experience, haven't had the experience of using technology. And so either need to learn it and learn it quickly, which is an extremely daunting thing to do, especially in isolation on your own, um, you know, or those or there's a people who just end up not using the technology. And I think what's quite interesting is that looking at the statistics, the digital divide has reduced since COVID because you get some people who maybe didn't use technology who were forced into using it but they had a support network there to help them so mm. they had friends they had grandchildren um they had family all getting them online and making sure you know they were using things like zoom family zoom or family whatsapp um but what it's done is it's left a group of people even more isolated so yes the numbers of the digital divide have reduced but the people who are divided are more alone and more isolated. Mm -hmm. So I'm doing a, re um, a study at the moment on older adults um, using social media during the pandemic. Uh, and what we're finding is a lot of people who were maybe part of a community. So one example is there was this uh, gentleman's drinking club on a Tuesday night, and they used to go down the pub um, and have a pint on a Tuesday. Um, and you know it was great they sort of had this interaction they had this little group and had this community but then when the pandemic hit they needed to rethink things so they went to zoom and set up their drinking club on zoom uh, and there were a few members who hadn't used much technology and hadn't used zoom before and you know they some some of the friends from the drinking club helped help them get onto zoom and help them use that technology so they could all drink together but then there was one or two who just didn't manage to use um, that technology. And I asked a few of the members, you know, what what's happened? Uh, what's happened to those people? And they're like, I've not heard from them in a while. Like sometimes I'll ring them on the telephone, but I really don't hear much from them anymore. And that's so sad. This group of people that used to meet up um, and have a drink and now it's been sort of split into people who can use technology and and people who can't um and i guess my fear is that when things open up again i mean they have a little bit is that it doesn't go back to normal again mm. you know people don't go back to the pub <laughs> and don't have that sort of uh, interaction you know it does sort of end up turning more into technology based especially whilst people are trying to be safe I think I mean that example is is a, is a worrying example because it, it for me it shows how how easy it is to jettison parts of a group that 
aren't fitting in anymore. I mean, this was a group of friends who went drinking every Tuesday, yet they still managed to reach that point where, no, we're throwing two over the edge. And, well, and they, well, no, I mean, it, it, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit now, but you know, see my yeah. point that they, yeah, they, they, yeah. they formed a new group and they they basically let the others who weren't part of that new group drift, mm. and mm. those friends were willing to, or, or were ended up in a situation where that was possible. Mm-hmm. When we scale that out to society, then the the you're right about the it feels like you're very right about the the people that are excluded now are mm-hmm. definitely more excluded. We're, we're almost abandoning them they're becoming invisible as long as i as long as i benefit i'm okay i i don't have to think about the people who aren't even using the technology yeah wow. and i should say that that group really did try and get everyone onto zoom mm-hmm. so and then they they did make sure that they they rung the people the person who wasn't on it but i i still think that sort of group interaction is so so important and that the person who wasn't involved um would miss out on the group interaction they might be able to speak someone on the phone but they wouldn't get sort of um yeah the group interaction that you would do down a pub but you're you're absolutely right that's just a small group of people but that would be happening sort of everywhere Mm -hmm. but then there's the other side of it in that people the stories coming out were oh you know i i used to ring my daughter in Australia but I never used to use video call and I don't know why um, because now we've got COVID I've started using video call and it's amazing I can have her face up in the living room and I can talk to her and we can have lunch um, so there are those lovely stories as well coming out of people sort of learning and changing their technology habits during lockdown but yeah it's that it's that small that isolate isolated group and as you say they almost become invisible because our society is so dependent on digital technology it's everywhere like like as i said as i mentioned earlier you can't, you have to use digital technology well to get the train <laughs> to do your banking mm-hmm. um it, you know even to access health information or to have your sort of video call with your doctor and that, that that thing about ringing ringing relatives in Australia, I, I think you you will talk about this in the report about how that's that's that behaviour is grounded in a long history of having that behaviour. That that person has always rung the people in Australia. Video calls were were just not not something that was possible, not something that was in their um, their mental model of how it how it is to communicate with people in another continent. So so getting them to go over that. A transition to that new world of technology which isn't actually that much different perhaps to what they were used to it's just it's just not the same it's not what they recognize yeah and it and it was almost like a so what i'm seeing in this this new study i'm doing is this kind of snowball usage <laughs> i'm calling it you know it's like oh well my daughter was on whatsapp so i went on whatsapp and then we invited my husband and then we invited um you know the grandkids you know and and it just it's it kind of snowballs so it's like well my daughter started using um zoom so i started using zoom and and it's kind of like you know and it, it snowballs and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and people you know might just might not have been aware of that technology or that that technology was there because the sort of the habit was to maybe sort of call someone because you know that's that's what we're used to doing mm. um but interestingly actually there when uh, doing these most recent interviews a lot of people said that they would go back to what they used before so they were like yes we understand the importance of you know social media and video calls 
but there's nothing like face-to-face -face interaction and some people are like what's wrong with a phone call <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. um so i i'm, I'm going to be interested to see how what happens now so do people continue with their COVID habits or do people change? I think one or two things will be picked up, like, for example, the video calling in, in Australia. But I think a lot of things, I hope a lot of things will go back to normal. I agree. I think there's nothing like face-to-face um, -face interaction. Snowball usage. I like that. Uh, thank you so much, Carolyn. I, I feel there's hope as long as we don't uh, forget to bring people with us as we progress. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Caroline, for joining us. Thank you. Oh, even though during that chat with Caroline, we've surfaced a lot of issues and challenges with tech and also tech and older adults. There's a whole load of areas, I think, where I'm get, I can get a bit excited about the opportunities yeah, I agree. to make all this stuff better and to reach more groups of people. I mean, you know, sometimes when we have these kind of chats and it, it feels quite depressing at times that we kind of, we bang on about the ethics of it or the kind of how people are excluded, how it's kind of impacting that group in a bad way and so on. But, but despite the fact we've highlighted a lot of impacts that are maybe not, um, and there was a few examples and stories a lot during this interview where you kind of, your heart beats a little faster and you go, oh my word. But I, I do feel excited actually. Yeah. No, I agree. And also, I think it's it's part of it is that we are actually getting older as well. Uh, and we are seeing things that we perhaps as 24-year-old engineers didn't see. Uh, I remember many years ago when you and I started talking about uh, font sizes, because we both realized, well, the font sizes that we used previously when we designed didn't actually work for us as we grew older. And so just that <laughs> insight that, wow, what a, a huge difference tiny, tiny things can make. What, what make, makes what I've thought about a lot now when listening to Carolyn also is how many we, when we joke about the elderly or people make fun of the elderly and technology and how they're bad at using it, people don't actually consider that they themselves will grow older. They will become those people. I think that it, we're, we're being extremely naive in, in, in thinking that, well, I know technology now, so I will know it in the future, not realizing that they will also have to deal with people who are 40 years younger than them building technology that really don't care about them anymore. Yeah. And what's interesting is that this, this isn't a new phenomena for, for exactly. <laughs> it's always been a problem. I mean, the, the, the kind of the, I suppose in some societies and communities, then the, the elders, the, the wisdom of the elder was more respected. And Carolyn brought up mm -hmm. the whole thing with res yeah. respect, the knowledge and wisdom mm -hmm. of the, of the older ones. But we, we, you know, we've always fought with this problem of, of, um, oh, um, different generations and respecting the different generations and making use mm. of that vast um, pool of, of of wisdom, of knowledge, of life experience, of perspective um, that exists out there. Yeah. But uh, another thing that really fascinates me about this is um, all these, well, the layers, um, the, the the complexity of the layers. I think that um, Carolyn brought up a few points that. Um, you know, she just, she said she just wanted things to be able to. You just turn it on, and we can get it to work. You know, when you're helping, um, it doesn't have to be older adults, but when you're helping someone who needs help with mm. technology, um, to be a bit more inclusive, I guess they, you know, you you just want it to ha to work, and you know, you you need um, when you have a new device, you need an account, like she said, and often nowadays to to have an account, you need an email. Yeah. 
and like then you have to set up an email or to to read email you need a device so you end up in a bit of a loop there uh, then we also went into well okay if you've got a device then you also need battery yeah. so so we've just got layer after layer of 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 quite complex hurdles that were throwing the way of of people and the the sequence of things mm. that need to work um is yeah. huge i do appreciate like you were saying now also that the all these paradoxes carolyn was saying as well they don't apply to just uh, older adults, they actually apply to everyone. It's just that they were really evident in this research, but of course they apply to the whole population, uh, which is really interesting. I, I, I loved the way that she really expressed how the things that are positive can also have a negative side. So there's two sides to everything. Uh, and I think this we need to acknowledge much more because everybody's always talking about the benefits of the new technology. We always need to also express, well, what's the flip side of that? What will happen? Yeah, the whole conflicting emotions side of this. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love the paradoxes. And the, oh, there was a quote there too. Um, things just happen and you don't know why. Oh, yes, exactly. Which in some ways kind of <laughs> really does sum up the you know, modern life, yeah. I guess, um, with with technology. I mean, even even me and you f- think that sometimes yep. yeah, every yeah. day. I mean, I'm, we joke I'm about it. Utterly amazed that anything, utterly amazed that anything, yeah, utterly amazed that anything works at mm. all. Um you know that's one of the kind of damage how you damaged um, during the years of working with this tech it's kind of incredibly flimsy um but but that that paradox of being reliant being uh, amazed um but at the same time no idea how sometimes how you got it to work mm-hmm. or why it works and i i, I, I totally laughed when uh, inside because i didn't do it out loud obviously in the interview but when she said what's wrong <laughs> with a phone call uh because uh, uh, my oldest son has moved away from home now and uh, we try to book all these uh, sessions with him online with video meetings and some often he doesn't have time and doesn't want to do it there's always a setup time and we have to get the tv out and stuff and and of course that's nice what we started doing now actually is we ring him we we just call him and see if he responds and and he picks up and we talk and it's like (laughs) why why didn't we realize that before how easy it is to just call someone it's because he's a younger generation and we think that's yeah. sort of that's sort of what he expects but just just having a phone call is fantastic <laughs> yeah no it's, it's strange how new normals become normal so quick i mean i i was touched as well by the story of the of the gentleman's drinking yes. group oh yeah um, that was very touching yeah where they they couldn't they couldn't gather uh, meet on the tuesday so they they um oh, went mm-hmm. digital uh, and how a, a group of them fell away fell by the mm-hmm. wayside uh, and they didn't. They didn't just ring them either. Even so, even that group didn't think of the, uh, of, of the doing continuing in the old way or doing other ways or just kind of doing the simple thing. It doesn't have to be complicated. Right. A group call on the phone would probably have worked better. But, but if there's one ultimate takeaway from all of this is just that perspective um, mm-hmm. side of things that really having much more understanding respect for. Um, well, the, the current knowledge of, of you know of where someone's coming from when they are using your product, yeah. and it's everything, you know, not it's not only kind of their their age, it's 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 their experience, it's what they're used to. I think it's wonderful that Carolyn brought up the example of you know, think of who who your user, who the user of your technology uh, is in the sense of what are they used to in their world. Mm. Um, you know if. It, if if you if you're used to having maybe a, a traditional telephone, an, an old school like telephone with a cable and all the rest of it, a handset that we used to have in you know decades ago, then that's how a telephone is for yeah. you in your mental mm-hmm. minds in your head for that particular person. 
Um, I mean, I set up um, Google TV with my mum during Christmas. And the onboarding process of that was just so amazingly um, young person, perhaps with a family or whatever, that it was just uh, mind-blowing how... Un, uh, how unsuitable it was for sitting there with a you know a, a, an elder adult uh, and trying to set it right. up. And I do think something we actually do have to bring up in another other episode and bring someone into interview around is this aspect that Carolyn mentioned uh, lots of times of how s- this security security issues are making everything so hard to use. Uh, I think that's and she's as she's saying it's actually getting worse. You're you're quite right. That's mm-hmm. that's one of those I think. All, I think a lot of us battle with that all the time, that kind of balance between um, UX, usability, um, or business, and security. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, um, it's, that's, that's a really hard balance, that one. So what should people listen to next? Uh, I think you found something from, was it six years ago? It's almost ex- just over six years ago. Um, well, you know, with the, well, today's topic is very much about inclusive design, yeah. uh, not just about the older adults. Um, so I thought maybe a good idea is to go back and listen to episode 118. Um, so as you said, six years ago, um, that's when we talked to um, Sarah Lurian yeah. about inclusive design. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side. James, I recently released my own fragrance. Your, your own fragrance? Yeah, but no one in the car seemed to like it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>